My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. <laughs> Off again this with you. Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. You know, your whole podcast. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? in the sky to absorb the sun's rays you may notice devilish haze lining across the sky barium strontium aluminum things that are put there why for radar to manipulate the weather or even to disconnect us with the healing rays of the sunshine here today to discuss this and more is someone who's faced hardships with his family not understanding the world that many of us see with fresh eyes. A world without a scientific establishment pumping chemicals of all sorts into our bloodstream. Here to teach us about how he's overcome some of these hardships and struggles using Qigong, his clutch. I'm Mystic Mark. Thank you for listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast and enjoy this conversation with Aquarius Clutch. If you're exuding joy, euphoria, bliss, your your auric field is probably going to be more supercharged. You know, if you're grounding and you're in tune with the Schumann resonance, your auric field is going to be stronger it's going to be amplified you know maybe if you're wearing a certain crystal organite these type of things inside of a pyramid it's going to help boom this now this energy field to me is carrying qubits qubits of information just look at it like pieces of information we'll just call them qubits for the sake of conversation but now the bigger your auric field is and the more energy and the more information that your qubits are carrying and when you're setting the intention with with this field now it's interacting like i'm interacting with you right now i'm interacting you know maybe maybe even with the people that are inside the complex where i'm living my auric field is interacting with them on a subtle energy level and and i'm also simultaneously programming my reality with my thoughts
raised in Canada, Windsor, Ontario, till I was about 12 or 13. And then I moved up to the GTA, which is the greater Toronto area. Okay. And I lived, I lived there till, well, I went to university. I went to McMaster University, which is uh, top 50 universities in the world, you know, for, for a great indoctrination. And I played sports. I played uh, football and basketball and like a whole bunch of, you know, whatever I could do with intramurals. Just had a lot of fun with that. <clears throat> and after I did school, I kind of set out on a big mission to raise awareness for breast cancer. And I did, I, I called it biking for boobies. And so the idea was that I was going to ride my bike from the East coast of Canada to the West coast <clears throat> and go to every CBCF every Canadian breast cancer foundation location across Canada and bring some unity in and shed some light because one of my best friend's mother had breast cancer. Now at the time I didn't understand. And this is where I started to get a glimpse of how the medical industry works, how they monopolize things. Cause I was like, all right, I'm going to raise all this money. I want to donate it directly to the researchers and CBCFs like, Hey, look it, we're going to take all that money. We're going to do what we like with it. And I also got to speak with the Dean of McMaster university and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him and, and the university donated, helped me get my bike and everything. So at that time, you know, that, that all happened. I think that was around 2013 after that, <clears throat> I finished that up. It was 104 days across Canada. It's a big success. You know, I, I, I kind of wish that I knew what, what the electromagnetic component was of getting a, mammogram at the time because I was kind of telling, you know, you should be preventative and, and go get these screenings and stuff. But, but now the way I understand mammograms, I, I wouldn't suggest that, you know, so this is, this was part of the, part of the awakening process. But after that, I was like, wow, I was like, I set my mind to this. And like, literally everything came together, Mark. When I, when I did that, like the football team came out, the basketball team, the master's marketing program came out. My dad's business friends started they're like, here you go. You can have a, we're going to get you a support vehicle. I'm like, look, don't give me a support vehicle. Nobody's going to follow me across Canada at 20 kilometers an hour. Like don't, don't waste your money, you know? But uh, sure enough, somebody came, stepped forward. And I was like, wow, like I was on the CBC, the, which is like the CNN of Canada, you know, like a lot of them, basically what I'm saying is like, I started with a snowball and then this whole thing turned into an avalanche. And I was like, all right, I can do like, anything. I just need to set my mind to it. So then I decided I'm like, I'm going to move to Hawaii. So went to Hawaii, had an amazing experience. Just first time I stepped off the plane, it was like this activation. It was just so much energy there. And I kept hearing Hawaii has this way of making sure that the people who belong there stay there. And a lot of, you know, the Ohana people brought me in. They started showing me places. The surfers were like, bringing me to all of these like secret spots, dude, like things that you would never be able to find. Like if me and you just went to Hawaii, we, they were pulling in down like bamboo forests and how's my, how's my audio? Is it okay? No. Yeah. You sound great. You're listening to the, my family thinks I'm crazy podcast, yeah. everybody. And yeah. we're talking to clutch God, but let's get back to, to the story, brother. Oh yeah. Yeah. I lived on Maui for about three years. And so, yeah, I was just saying, I could go on. I could go on about Hawaii. But basically, my my daughter was conceived there. That was about five and a half years ago. And at that time, we were like, all right, I'm going to turn this light on. So I get a little light on me. Go for it. 
yeah so we were like all right what what are we gonna do are we gonna have our have our child here are we gonna go to canada are we gonna go to the family in arizona where my daughter's mother lives and and you know i I like the sun i like to be warm so we had a big support system here in arizona we're like all right let's go to arizona crazy right leaving hawaii leaving paradise but it was an amazing three years but what what ended up happening is man it's like you, you leave Hawaii, right? Come, come to Arizona. And I'm like getting settled, right? Going to like live the American dream. We had like a four bedroom house and a cul-de-sac all set up. I'm a photographer, right? That's why I was telling you about Hawaii. I'll just back up a little second. When I was in Hawaii, the surfers are bringing me out. I'm going to all of these cool hikes. I got to take pictures, you know? So I got a GoPro. I got some, I got my first DSLR. At that time, I got my feet in the sand, right? I'm like sunrise and sunset. I'm taking pictures. I didn't know that I, I was like burning my third eye open. I didn't know that I was grounding. I started getting more energy than ever. My diet changed. Everything was like, all these things were happening. I'm like, what? I didn't know it. I didn't know it until I looked back on it. But I was like, that's what was happening. You know, I had the, I had the 200 zoom lens just burning that, that golden hour magic into the pineal gland, right? Just getting those light codes. So I come to, I come to Arizona, I'm doing the same thing. And I start realizing, I'm like, what are these lines in the sky? I'm like, wh- I'm like, what is it? Literally asking like, why, why is there a checkered pattern like lines in the sky? What's going on? And then I'm like, what's, I'm like, I didn't, when I left the mainland, there wasn't a tower every quarter mile. I'm like, what are these towers? And I'm legitimately asking now that look at my daughter's mother's family is like super chill, bro. Like we go to Mex, we went to Puerto Penasco. We like, they came to Hawaii to visit us. We get along, man. Like, like we're still cool, but I'm asking them these questions. And now they got the TV on at their house all the time. Right. And, and we stayed with them in the intern before we were supposed to get our American dream house in the cul-de-sac. So I'm in there and I'm like, I'm like, man, this TV is driving me nuts. My mom didn't let me watch TV growing up. She would call my friend's house. She'd be like, Patsy, I don't care if your son's watching TV. You get my dad, you get my son outside now. So I I never, I never, uh, this TV was driving me crazy. And I'm like, everything flipped on me, bro. Like my relationship with my daughter's mother. When I started asking these questions and started and started being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Her, her dad, I was, I had like a real man to man conversation with him. I'm in the backyard. I'm like, look, Max, what's going on? What's happening? What are these things in the sky, bro? Like you need to tell me. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, look at man. Uh, that's just for, that's just for people who, who are looking for something I'm like what? I'm like, it's pretty blatantly obvious. I've never seen anything like this before. So he just kind of dismissed me. Right. And at this time I knew not to inject anything into my daughter. Right. Uh, like when my daughter was born, I stayed with her the whole time in the hospital. I didn't know a, like what was in the in- injection. I didn't know that aspect. I didn't know how deep the rabbit hole went, but I just knew that, Hey, something told me. And I'm like, I can research this stuff later. I know I'm going to be birthing a perfectly healthy little girl. I don't need any of that. So man, I'm trying to communicate this with my daughter's mother. Now she is hearing impaired. Okay. And she has no history of this in her family, her grandma, her mother, her aunts, 
great grandma, nobody's hearing impaired. Okay. And so when I came around, I was like, Hey, maybe it's something environmental. And she told her mother that, and I happened to be there when she told her, and her mother's like, Hmm, I doubt it. You know, I don't know why you're don't know why you can only hear out of one ear. Not sure why you it's only at 30% with a hearing aid. We don't know, but that's okay. We're not going to dig any further. What you don't. Okay. So I'm trying to explain to her all of these different things that I'm researching and finding out geoengineering, 5g, you know, the needles. And I'm thinking, okay, she's getting it. She's giving me the head nod, you know? And then I'm supposed to start a job at Yelp in downtown Scottsdale. Okay. And then I'm like, we've been together for like over five years, bro. So it was like, it wasn't anything to hide. Right. So I'm like, I'm like hopping on her Snapchat story. Me and Kaya, my daughter are going to take like a Snapchat story, open it up message to her best friend. It's like, Hey, I don't want to be spilling all my beans here, bro, but I'm just trying to paint a picture. Okay? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in it, man. I want to hear and feel free to, to, you know, say as much as you want to. And, and if there's anything you want to cut out afterwards, that's totally fine. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's just a real life thing and yeah. I, and it kind of plays into everything else that I'm No, it's, I'm it's into, what the I'm, show is about. You know, I mean, I named the show that my family thinks I'm crazy because it's, it's a real thing. It's something I've dealt with. And I think people relate to that and they come to the show to hear these real stories. So I appreciate your honesty and your courage to, to get personal. I think it's something, you know, that requires bravery. So feel free, go at it, man. Thanks, man. I feel, I feel welcomed. I feel like explaining the family dynamics is what this is. This is aligning to, you know, this is, this is part of it. So it's, it's happening naturally. It's happening organically. And as a disclaimer, these are just facts. I, I'm just telling you what happened. Okay. I'm not trying to, cause we all have awakening processes. Okay. I'm not trying to make my daughter's mother seem like a bad guy. I, cause I know that she's doing everything she can for my daughter. Okay. I know that she has her best interest in mind. She's a great person. She's a beautiful person. Me and her still, we, we still get along to the extent that we should. Okay. So with all of that said, I open up her Snapchat and it says, Hey, look it. And she's talking to her best friend, Vanessa, right? She goes, Hey, look at Kyle starts work at Yelp on Monday. I'm going to take Kaya when he's at work and get her injected. Now look at man, my parents, every relationship that I know, you know how it goes. You can, you can fight with somebody, right? You can, you can battle it out and then you can make up the next day and you can, you can have a relationship of 30, 50 years like that marriages like that, but I can't take lying. Somebody crosses me like that. Like I can't, like how, how can I, how could you go on, you know, especially with something like that. So I felt crossed, but I, but at that time, and I'm feeling this energy going through me right now. So I know that this is a chance for me to realign quantumly, go into that, that essence, that energetic vibration and kind of realign that because I didn't like the way I felt. I knew something was wrong. It was hard for me to express myself, but I was like shaking mad. I was like distraught. I felt broken. I felt abandoned. I felt crossed and I had already kind of felt like spiritually attacked in a way. A lot of things that, that were a defamation of my character were happening. So I was, I had to create space. 
I did. I went, I went and stayed with my best friend from kindergarten, rebalanced myself, you know, started figuring out how to, how to detox my body, how to be more in tune with nature, drinking the right water, all the things. And I, one of the things I did was I was researching the injections, right? I'm like looking at the ingredients, all this stuff. So I show up at my daughter's next pediatrician's appointment at the hospital. And she didn't, she wouldn't tell me when the appointment was, you know, she wanted to make sure that she, she thought she's, she thinks she's project protecting Kaya, you know, and she thinks that I'm the guy that's trying to stop her from protecting Kaya. I go in there, I explain to the doctor, I ask her all the questions. I got my clipboard. I got all my paperwork ready to go. You know, she calls her higher ups. Hey, look at the dad doesn't want to do it. The mom does. Can we still go ahead and give Kaya the shots? Wow. Big moment, right? Now the higher up says, look it, you can't do that. We'll be held liable. No, shut it down. So at the time I leave, I'm like, I'm like, Hey, success. I like, I stopped my daughter from, from being injected, you know, happy day. Right. So I like, I, I, I work and that night I get a call. Hey, Kyle, I want you to know that I took Kaya to another pediatrician's office and got her injected. So I'm like, I, I like, I fell to the ground, bro. I like started crying and hitting the ground and like distraught, like totally broken then. And that next morning was my time with Kaya. So I go to pick her up and I'm like, all right, like it's like seven in the morning. I'm in there, I'm getting there early. I'm like, I understand that my daughter could never be this, might, may, may not be the same. You know, she may be mentally changed by these, by this injection injections. And sure enough, man, she had severe adverse reactions and she, she had like profuse sweating, insomnia. She had rashes break out. She had lesions break out every like high pitched crying inconsolable. And this went on for like two, three weeks. Okay. So I'm like, I'm like, wow, Tessa, you see, right? You see what's going on here? Like you, you can see the correlation. It literally happened before December 27th, 2017. She wasn't 2017. She wasn't crying. She wasn't breaking out with rat, like all the things. And I'm like, okay, she gets it. Like it's done, you know? And I, this is when I'm like studying detox, how to get rid of heavy metals, how to clean her body out, how to restore her. All of that, bro. For the next few years, I'm thinking that like Kaya's Kaya's like good, and then not until she was four years old and she's old enough to speak. One Saturday morning, she wakes up. She goes, "Hey, Dad, I want you to know I got injected last week." And I'm like, I call her up. Doesn't answer her phone. I call up the grandma. I'm like, hey, is it the Kaya? She's like, you're going to have to ask Tess about that. So I like waiting. Right. And I'm like, Oh my God. So then I'm like, of course she did. If you're not going to tell me no, then of course she did. So this whole time I thought she woke up. I thought she understood. No, <laughs> she'd been going along with the, with the recommended schedule the whole time. And so obviously once again, heartbroken, <laughs> distraught, but then I started realizing, okay, like 
because as I was going through this whole stage, I was like, I need to, I, I started understanding how like our energy and vibration and our thoughts intertwine with reality. The same way that I had the thought to bike across Canada and then it happened. If I'm like, if I'm having, if I'm, if I'm like, my body is in a vibration of being mad and sad and angry and I'm thinking this way, then I'm just perpetuating that more in my life. So I looked at it as an opportunity to like recalibrate myself and sure. It sounds great. Ideal, like idealistically, you know, but that's what I was aiming for. How to, how to handle this the best I can. And a piece of advice my dad always gave me was don't say anything that you're not okay with being on the front page of the newspaper the next day. So I just, I asked all the questions, you know, why boom, boom, boom. Hey, do you know about this? Do you know about that? Of course, can't, can't answer any of any of the questions. What's in the vaccine? Who makes it? Who, blah. So I realized, man, you can't wake somebody up. You just can't, you know, you, no matter how hard you try, no matter how, what information you present, it has to be a step by somebody else. But there's also this, and I know you know this because you listen to Amy Belair's podcast and you understand how we as live as souls come in here and we have these arrangements made for our soul evolution, for our development and things play out in the physicality. And I'm like, all right, this is a, this is really a learning experience. Like, what do I need to learn from this? What are, what are the things that I can, I can do and uh, still be productive and help other people through it. So at the same time, this is, this is happening, bro. This is pretty interesting. I'm going to tie, I'm going to tie a couple of stories in here with this timeline. So when I started to get into the geoengineering aspect, I went to a geoengineering conference in Tucson and there was a guy leading the charge there. His name's Matt Landman. And I started doing the video work, clutch shots and like help and helping out, like get the word out. And I made this video and I came back all about like Morgellons. And the video went viral, like woke up the next day. It was like hundred thousand, 200,000, then like millions of views. And then the video got flagged and, uh, taken down. But by that time, so many people had, had like downloaded it and I'm still seeing it today. Like that video is like five years old, but I'll still see it floating around. And but what happened was, is, the uh, FBI undercover agents came to my door. And, and pulled up in like hundred thousand dollar, like undercover rides. And we're like, and like one of the guy was wearing like a Hawaii shirt and uh, they kind of, kind of started like chumming it up with me and like, Oh bro, like, Hey, what you think? Like things are being sprayed in the sky. Like, you know, trying to make me sound crazy. And they're like, Oh, what's, what's going on with that? Eh? And I'm like, I knew enough about law and like enough to plead the fifth. And so I just, I was like, ah, man, I like, you know, I don't know. I don't really know what you're talking about, man. Like, like, nah, like you're insinuating stuff like, no. Nah. And so they started like asking some weird questions. They tried to pay me out. Like I'm some like terrorist, like Timothy McVeigh. I'm um, like, so they started interrogating all of the people that I know that, that were around me going to their places of work and family members. And they're like, nah, like, Clutch like wakes up every morning and he feeds the horses. He's like super cool guy. He like loves nature. He's super chill. He's like the nicest guy ever. And 
I kept making videos because at this time I was like, I need to wake everybody up. I need to tell everybody what's going on. Like, you know, and I lost a lot of friends. I lost like you know, a lot of family members. Everybody was like, what the fuck? Like clutch, what, what's going on with him, man? He used to be so grounded. What's, who's this guy? I'm like, it's the same fucking guy with new information. So all the shit you thought before that ain't it. So you need to recalibrate. And some people came with me. Some people were like, Oh shit, I see it. Other people were like, I don't know. I'm going to listen to you. I still think you're crazy. And then some, and then, and then I got like an influx of new people who, who came in and were like, yeah, keep spitting the game, keep researching what's going on. Let's figure this out. And when I was releasing the videos, dude, the weirdest, the weirdest stuff would happen. I would, I'd be like, Hey, I'd be like living, I'd be living with some roommates and stuff. And we lived out on a ranch in the hillside with, we lived on the, we lived on the 33rd latitude here in Phoenix. And we lived in like a rural area, hillside in the foothills of the mountain. And who knows what those mountains really are. If they're pyramids, mounted buildings, well, you know, that's a whole nother thing, but we're, we're chilling on this spot. Right. But now I'd be like, look at, man, I'm going to press render on this video. As soon as I would do it, man, it was like consistently like a helicopter would come over to the house. And, and it was like, I would, my friends would be like, nah, you're crazy. I'd be like, look at man, watch this. Boom. Come over. And then my friends started believing too, even like the normies. And then, you know, I now started you're, like, you're talking about silent black helicopters, right? You're not talking about the average helicopter. You're talking about a silent black helicopter, right? So I had friends that had interactions with like silent black helicopters and like drones and stuff like that. Like one of my buddies in Florida was going through this similar thing at the same time, fired him from his job and he was exposing a lot of esoteric stuff. Sometimes I would get police, like literal police helicopters over my, over top of me. And then sometimes they would be like Blackhawks, which is really odd or rare, but would happen. But one time, and this is a really interesting story that kind of that expanded my mind to the time space reality that we're in because I was like really into light at this time, like getting, I understood that light, like I was into sun gazing, you know, at, at the sunrise and sunset. And I understood that light is information, you know, same way that I'm looking at you through the pixels, I can gather information the way your light is coming through. And then there's, light from from the luminaries that can also be decoded but more on like a subconscious level you know that can sometimes be processed and figured out later could be even on a dna level you know and just to go in on that a little bit i think it's like like some people are like hey man that's super woo woo that doesn't happen we're talking about light codes the what i the way i explain it is if you plant a seed in the wrong season, that, that seed's not going to grow. It needs the certain light code of the springtime for that energy to come through. And then it activates the DNA and tells that seed to grow. Same thing for us, because I believe that light interacts with our consciousness. So we get these light codes that expand our conscious body, our etheric body. Now that was the idea, right? So now there was a full moon, setting in the West and it's like, or just about a full moon, but it was in the West. It's kind of setting. I'm out in the, in the boonies, my dog's out probably chasing coyotes. She's not coming back. 
And I'm, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm out here getting these light codes, grounding. And then I kind of had like this airbender thing going on where I was like, it was a dead still night, man. And I'm like, wow. Like, I'm like, I really feel like a maestro out here. Like I'm calling for my dog back. And as my energy is picking up, the wind starts picking up. And I'm like, wow, like the, the, the surroundings are reacting to my internal state of being. I'm like, I'm like, whoa. And then moon gets a little bit lower. And then this red light starts coming from the West. And I'm like, whoa, is that a helicopter? And then it keeps coming closer. And then this white light comes from it. And I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, that white light is like 45 degree angle. Like, I'm like, man, that's going to like, come right on me. You know, I'm like, Oh shit. So I like go behind the tree and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go by outside, so go behind my SUV. I'm looking at this light and then it stops like 150 yards away from me to the West. And this beam shoots down and it materializes. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, did my dog just get abducted? I'm like, th- I'm like, that's not a helicopter. I had no sound at all. And it was a red light orb. And then that orb shot up over top of the mountains, like in an instant. And it's like two, two 30 in the morning. So I was like, okay, that's really something I never really quite seen before. But at the time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at the time I was like really into the stars, the luminaries and I'm studying them. And like the stars are like kind of like moving sometimes, you know, like they should be staying still. But like in my eyes, I'm like, like, I'm like, are these, am I seeing some movement here? And uh, yeah, I think the stars and that, that's when I started realizing like the, the light emitted from stars is also part of the, the matrix here and part of the, the light codes, you know, each star has a different resonance, have a, has a different hue, a different intensity. And so I, you know, the case is still open on what stars are exactly. But to fast forward through all of this, uh, or to bring it back up to, to where we are right now, I, I've been studying a lot of the law, you know, because as much as there's like this woo-woo side of things, like there's things that we need to be doing practically, and things that we need to do to maintain our sovereignty, you know, may be able to operate going forward and not fall into like the de facto, not be like eaten by the matrix and, and carve out our own, our own world, our own niche. And so started studying a lot of the, a lot of the legality side of things. And I just went on a trip to Puerto Rico and that was part of what, what we're doing there in terms of there's a temp there's a, it's called templus aquaria in puerto rico and what they've done is is done all the proper paperwork and created a church you know and and the tenets and the doctrines are really basic man like it's basically govern yourself be autocratic you know there's nobody that's a that's between you and source there's nobody that's between you and god and, and just treat everybody nice. The other things are like real basic, like, Hey, we have, we have the right, like breath is a prayer. We have the right to breathe unobstructed. Another tenant, we have the right to decide what 
goes into our bodies without being mandated or coerced. You know, other than that, man, it's, it's really like that basic, you know, just carving out these things. But once you create this paperwork and it's called a PMA private membership association. Now that's pretty much what you're, what every other corporation government is in the world. They're all PMAs. That's how they're able to operate with their own laws and dictates. Right. And if we're yeah. getting into natural law and like maritime law, right. And how it's been applied in society and how, you know, we're actually governed under natural law, which gives us far more rights than we're led to believe under this sort of overlay that they've left on top of us. And even this subject is enough to, you know, make people a little crazy, but I know personally multiple people, someone who supports the show on Patreon, as a matter of fact, who have uh, gone out of their way to become uh, sovereign citizens. Although I've heard that that's not the best term to describe it. At least that's, you know, my friend's opinion. I don't know. I've heard that was how I was first introduced to the subject. And I actually, you know, Thanks to a buddy of mine who is much more well-versed in it, I skirted a speeding ticket, which I felt was unjustly given to me in the first place, but we used some uh, natural law, and the court was basically like, well, we're just going to throw this out because we don't want to deal with this guy. And I think in a lot of cases that are as small as that, that's what you might run into. I'm not going to advocate breaking any like real laws because, you know, I don't know how that's going to apply. But when it comes to natural law, it's common sense stuff. You know, don't harm others. Don't steal from others. You know, don't manipulate others like it's basic stuff that humans have known and operated under. And it's a shame that, you know, so many people think that the justice system that we have in mainstream society represents those natural law tenants because it's absolutely the opposite i think a lot of the the law scholars who talk about natural law you know their quotes get misapplied to the law system that we have now which is just you know this federal beast system you know and i'm you know from what you've told me so far it sounds like you've had some pretty close encounters with even the FBI. I mean, that that's interesting to hear because Matt Landman, former guest on the show, is the only guest on the show who's ever accused me of being a Fed, which I thought was funny because I like the guy. I don't have anything against him, but through yeah. the grapevine, I heard I heard that allegation and you know, my best wishes to Matt. If he does have any information on me, I'd love to be the first one to see it because I can tell you right here, I've never been involved in any organization as far as the federal government or any military police, anything like that. So when I hear that close encounter that you had, it scares me because I'm like, damn, you know, you're just putting out stuff, information on, you know, geoengineering stuff. And, you know, you're getting, you know, basically a threat at your doorstep kind of trying to intimidate you out of putting this content out or so we would expect. But I've also heard that out there in the West, the geoengineering climate altering is going on in a higher frequency and the government is involved on a really insidious level. Here, where I live in on the East Coast, I might be wrong, but according to Jim Lee, 
who is another kind of geoengineering expert, I guess we can call him. He's told me that they don't do it on the East Coast. They use like hurricane technology instead over here. And so they're not so heavy on the like the chemtrail warping to use the client, you know, that kind of thing. I could be totally speaking out of my ass here, but that's just no, what I remember Jim telling me. <laughs> no, I think, I think what you're saying is right because, you know, I lived in the Great Lakes. I lived in the East side, you know, and I, and I w- was like, you know what I think it is there is they use like the next rad and the harp technology, which is like the hurricane technology, mm-hmm. but they, there's so much moisture on the East side that they're able to use the particulates and then they, put the frequencies up through the next rad and the harp and all that. And that's how they create the acoustic levitation. So that's why you'll see, like, that's why a lot of people have the sad seasonal apprehension disorder because they literally block the sun out right. for a fuck long time, like six, eight months, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, and then with just those particulates, you can like create high pressure, low pressure systems, make, make it snow, you know, like when I was there, I was doing snow removal to get my money to go to Hawaii. It, it was like, it was like 50 inches every weekend in that winter time, in that winter time. And like, I didn't get it then, but now I'm like, oh, they were literally planning that stuff. But then you come out here in Arizona where it's so dry that they, the they have to, they have, they, they have to put the particulates up. And that's the same thing that they do in California. And then you can literally watch every time that there's a precipitation front coming in off the Pacific, which is a lot because of the westerlies, they have to put the, they have to put the nanoparticulates up. Then they, you can watch them with the radar, turn the towers on, create that high pressure system, which create, which keeps the rain out over the ocean. And that's how they manufacture the drought. But on top of that, what they've done here is like Bill Gates owns like a fuckload of pro- a fuckload of property over here on like the west side of things, and like they have the, this valley so controlled here, like they laid this shit out. Like our government building here is like a fucking inverted pyramid, bro. And like all, like they're, they're like like occult astrotheologists. All of our city transit lines are like around here are are uh, named after planets and luminaries, and like it's just it's just obvious, right? But I think the the transhumanism agenda is like really at play here because it's such a controlled environment. They make like the weather here is consistent all the time, you know? Well, so, yeah, I, I would cite Corey Daniels in the Phoenix enigma. He was telling me that Phoenix is like the next super city. And like, there's some st- statisticians that if that's the right word that project, you know, Phoenix being like one of the global cities of the next century. So yeah, it's very interesting that you, you're saying that and you're right there in the in the belly of it. I mean, Isaac Cappy, there's a lot of other researchers. Unfortunately, Isaac is no longer with us, but there's a lot of people who have spent time in Arizona and had a really conspiratorial mindset. I don't think that's by accident. I, one thing that really stood out that Corey taught me was that, you know, the Basically, Phoenix was founded by a bunch of Masons, and it was named because they realized there was an ancient city in the ground underneath Phoenix. So the the idea was to rise it from the ashes like a phoenix. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's why it has that name. And then you have the Phoenix Lights, which is a really strange, you know, event that I think stands out in ufology where, you know, you have the mayor or was it the governor who comes on national television, you know, admitting, but then also retracting his statement that there was, a you know, UFOs over the city. And everyone saw, I don't think there's ever been a, 
a UFO sighting quite like that where it was like really recognized on that level. So Phoenix is strange for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, talking about a city underneath, you, you just look out, man. And there's like, it's like the way I look at it is that up in, you have, you have the grand staircase Escalante. So it comes down from Colorado where you have like these 12,000, 14,000 foot peaks. You got the Colorado river that runs down, you know, cuts through Utah brings all of these beautiful salts, provides a lot of really nutrient density. And then that flows into the sea of Cortez in down in Mexico, you know, Baja. And I think that's always been there, but that same, that same flow action is where the mud flood came down. And then that, and then it literally covered up all of what used to be pyramids, a whole city. We probably, this was probably like ancient Egypt here we probably had a lot of the ag- like floating agricultural beds, all of these things, because you can still see remnants here. There's beautiful citrus orchards. We, like, even, the, even with it being mud flood covered, you still have so much agricultural richness here, which is amazing. I, my garden, it just booms, you know, and it's, and it's like rock. Right. So, you know, you can imagine before that what it, what it was. Yeah. And then, have you found uh, any other instances where you're, you're thinking mud flood? I mean, architecture is a big one you see on like YouTube videos and whatnot. Have you found anything like that where people are, have repurposed ancient buildings possibly? Yeah. I mean, when I was in New York, definitely. But the, but the thing that comes to my mind with buildings is in Sedona, mm. because a lot of that looks like it could be melted buildings there. Those, those shapes there. Okay. And the other thing is it looks like there was uh, giant copper trees, giant ancient trees that same way that there's copper mines out here would be like the roots of the trees would go down and pull that copper richness or whatever it is. And then that would be like the tree. And then it looks like they basically uh, like the trees were basically cut. And you can see the remnants of that. If you ever drive through Sedona or like Northern Arizona or even close to the Phoenix Valley, there's like, ta- there's like tabletop mesas and you're, and it's like, Whoa, I think we're, we're like in the midst of like Jack and the Beanstalk type reality right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, it feels like even with certain pieces of architecture, like it was a, a giant landscape and we're just like tiny f- figures in a much larger landscape. But, you know, out here on the East Coast, it's a lot easier to forget that because things are kind of closed in out there in Arizona. You got these wide open spaces. But, you know, we're talking a little bit of everything. You want to jump back into the story? Is there anything? I feel like I might have interrupted. You want to get back? No, to I'm that? glad that was a that was a really good tangent. I enjoyed that. Man. So, yeah, to tie in the legality and like the timeline thing that I've been going on because it it plays into all of us, you know, being able to create our new earth, you know, and be able to survive in the midst of corporation overreach. So, so the legality study there. And then the other thing is, is that I'm creating a document right now and it's an affidavit An affidavit stands as the highest form of truth in any court, you know, whether we're talking natural law or the de facto courts or whatever it is. So I'm, I'm laying out a document right now that's going to put my daughter's mother on notice because if she's not going to hear me, 
I need to submit something to her. And so all I'm doing is listing out all of the facts of what's happened with my, with my daughter, what she's been injected with and her reactions. And, and then I, I'm literally using the vaccine, you can, the injection inserts. If you want to bleep that out later, I don't know, but I'm, I'm literally using the product inserts that list all of the ingredients. Now, they're legit, they're poisons. It's a witchcraft brew. Okay. Now people who, who are lost think that this is that these corporations have some type of authoritative right to tell you what you need to do. And I'm here to tell my daughter's mother that is not the case that they are not liable, that the doctor is not liable. So who makes that liable? You brought Kaya to the doctor's appointment, who's liable. Right. And, and what did you do? You had, what did you have injected into her? Animal DNA, alumina, sodium chloride, thimerosal, calf bovine serum, uh, monkey kidney cell. The list goes on and on and it's terrifying. Yeah. But, but when you look at it like that, Hey, guess what? You do that. You do that. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to put you on notice. I'm going to have to put the, I'm going to have to put the paperwork down and I'm, and I may just have to tell you that you're going to be tried for attempted murder because that is a a listed reaction of injecting said ingredients into people. People die and it's known. So if, if you know this and you still go forward and do it, you could be potentially killing somebody. So, I mean, that's, it, it, it's a far overreach, but when somebody's feeling that type of pressure and it's a reality, guess what? There's probably going to be some type of thing that we reach that says, I'm not going to ever put a needle near our daughter again. You know, so that's my, my whole thing is to make sure that my daughter is safe, you know, and restore her to optimal health. Yeah. Well, and I'm so glad that you're, like I said, courageous enough to share this with us because I think there's a lot of people out there who may have a very, very similar situation or, you know, an equally tough situation with a family member where a tool like this may come in handy. I mean, I can imagine that's the case for certain people that I know personally from this show, you know, where, yeah, things like that have happened. And it's unfortunate that we're being pushed to that. And I, you know, myself, really expressed my dissent pretty clearly to all my family members in a very like public Christmas group chat that we had in 20, 2019 or 2020. I don't remember exactly when it was it's a little foggy now, but I, you know, I basically told them all like, don't get it, blah, blah, blah. This is why. And you know, I don't know how many of them actually listened to me. But what I realized is I just, I couldn't, I couldn't affect them in the way I wanted to. And I'm grateful that I, you know, I don't have a child and it's tough when you're in that situation, man. I really, my heart really goes out to you and I hope that, you know, your daughter stays healthy and, you know, we can use these healing modalities, energy, you know, healing types of practices 
it in a way to, you know, maybe restore some of the damage that's been done with this experimental medicine, if we can even call it medicine, you know, these, these things that they're injecting into people. And, you know, as a conspiracy theorist, I'm sure, and you kind of spoke about this because your daughter is old enough to where that first instance was pre-pandemic, right? I, I'm assuming yeah. that based on what you're saying. So like folks like us, we've been aware of this stuff way before, you know, this whole thing rolled out two years ago. And, uh, and it's really tough to see how much consent they've been able to manufacture through the media. And it's, you know, it's not something that we talk about a lot on the show because it is something that I think people, you know, they go to other shows that are more equipped to, to hear like the more prescient information. Me, I try to have these kind of conversations more personal, more in depth. So I want to kind of shift a little bit and talk about like what you do in your own life Obviously, you mentioned sun gazing, you mentioned grounding, but I have in the notes here, you know, astrotheology and DNA, you know, obviously an understanding of the higher, you know, microcosm to macrocosm, that relationship is important. But what are some practices that you, you take on in your daily life to, you know, maintain a healthy, you know, mind, body and soul? And obviously as a father, you know, hopefully be able to, you know, instill those values in your daughter, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to answer that. And I just first want to say, hey, you know, the platform that you're providing right now, thank you. Thank you. Oh, because if I appreciate because if there is if there is anybody listening, you know, and anybody that you know or come across, send them send them my way. Or let them know who I am and and if and if all I can do is tell them what I'm up to maybe share the document that I've written and then they can go off of it so that, that they can, if they need it, you know, I'm happy to help. That's, that's part of my service and what I, what we like to do, I, I'd, I'd say. Right. Amen. Yeah. I'm yeah, right with yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I think this is going to reach the right people. And if you want, you know, obviously you'll give me all the links uh, that people can connect with you and we'll put it in the episode description, obviously. So yeah, folks, if you're feeling it, get in touch with clutch. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, as, as a disclaimer to answer your question about, about what I've, what I've come to realize with, with all the, like my, my practices and like my habits and like research and integrating them into my life, whether it be like my diet or my energy work, if I'm doing yoga or Shaolin Qigong and no matter, no matter what it is, or if it's a certain like thought pattern, like a, a mental model, how I, how I look at the world. But I, what I just keep coming back to what I realize is like, I go to extremes, you know, I, I try something out. I'll like, I'll be like, wow. Okay. Like, look at like, you know, maybe veganism is, is it, you know? All right. Then it's like, Whoa, I went really far into that. Maybe I need to come back and have some more like nutrient dense earthly type foods. But I have to integrate that same outlook that I had when I was appreciating the life of food in when I'm ingesting the regenerative agriculture, you know, I come back and I find ways to make it a holistic practice. And, you know, even through like waking up early in the morning and doing Shaolin Qigong and getting my energy work or like doing the sun, it's like, it's like through all of that, it's like, man, all these extremes, it's like, biggest thing is, is just to come back and relax, you know? 
and be a good person. Just remember that being a good person is enough and just standing in honor and integrity and just being able to link with people and talk with people and not try to get too far ahead of ourselves and just really be, be grateful for what, what's right in front of us. And I feel like it's like a Jedi mind trick, man. It's like, it's like, man, if we're just like super grateful right now, we just sit here and we're like, man, like, look at this, man. Like, like you got your smoke. We got these microphones where you got all these books behind you. You know, my room's a mess, but like life is good. I got my pictures up. Like, like, man, there's a lot going on, but like, we just have this moment. We just, we just bask in this moment. Now, if you, if we just continue that right now, we go from this to our, to whatever, whatever we're doing in our life, we just keep being grateful for everything. Even if it's an unfavorable situation, we're like, man, we can really learn from this, man. Like, man, we went on this hike, me, me and Mark went on this hike and we got like 20 miles out. We ran out of water, man. We, we were about to die. We were, we had a near death experience, but man, I bet you, me and you bonded. I bet you, me and you have a better appreciation for each other. And at that moment when we accepted death and we looked at each other, like, man, I'm happy I could die with you, bro. This was an amazing experience, even in, even in the face of that. And then it's like, you bring all of that back. It's like, what, what, what if you did that? What's the worst thing that happened? You have the greatest perspective, no matter what, or like the best perspective as you can, no matter what, is that, is that the worst thing that's going to happen? You know, but what if in fact, because you were always in a, in a vibration of appreciation, that the universe and the cosmos and the quantum reality was like, Hey, look at man, clutch and Mark, man, these guys were like, they were happy no matter what, like they, they went out on this crazy adventure and they had the, they, 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 they had a good time. Let's give them more of that. I, I love what you're saying. Cause I think what you're trying to paint a picture of is something that was just talked about in the telegram chat, a patron shout out to uh, JT he was asking me about this concept that he relayed as reverse paranoia, which I had mm. some issues with the term and I kind of dispelled <laughs> them in a couple paragraphs by saying like, cool. I would rather call it luck psychology and why, because you know what people see from the outside is how you approach something, right? Cause you usually approach something from the outside and then try to understand it. So luck psychology, I think, is what you're describing. And it's something that people see and they're like, oh, this person seems to be very lucky. But when you actually understand what's going on with the, let's say, manifestation or living in harmony with vibra like the vibration that you're trying to, you know, set forth in that way you're describing where it's, it's not it's not living recklessly even though what you're describing could be you know seen as reckless in one way because what we gain there would be the experience and the the joy of the moment and that's ultimately you know something that you can't you know quantify or, or measure and it's something that i think happens synchronistically you know and and it's something that happens when you really connect with your higher self and mm -hmm. your purpose. And ultimately, you know, we are all kind of one consciousness, I guess that's what I've come to assume here. And the earth, in my opinion, is working to uh, change for the positive, or at least we could hope, you know, we know it's changing 
And maybe with this mental force that we have, we can change it to be positive because it's going to change irregardless. But that's kind of where I see luck psychology is like once you tap into what that means for you and like how you can flow with the source energy, you start to receive the gifts of that journey, you know, and sometimes that's really great. Sometimes it comes in the form of hard lessons. Sometimes it comes, sometimes it comes really fast, you know, and you get all these really great opportunities really fast. And then you have all this tremendous pressure to live up to it. So I think, you know, it's going to manifest differently for different people, but yeah, man. What are your thoughts on luck psychology? I, mean, I don't know if you can look that term up and, and find anything. I might have just kind of pulled it out of my ass or something, but I can't say I coined it. I'm sure someone else has thought of it before, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, it, I think you did a good job in like dispelling because if you're putting like reverse paranoia, then you're kind of like focusing on the paranoia. So you're going to have you're going to have paranoia. It also implies that paranoia is inherently negative, which I think, you know, paranoia Mm. isn't inherently negative. It's just a state of anxiety that has maybe we'll say a more informed state of anxiety. We'll say, I don't know. It's future thinking, which I never, I never future trip. That's the biggest thing that I've learned is if you future trip, if you try to expect things to be a certain way, you usually don't get the things that you wanted the way that you expected. So yeah, right. the, the future is, is tricky like that. But go ahead. I, I just jumped on your opportunity to answer my question. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm glad you, you shared that because it got my wheels turning. And it kind of brings me to something that I've been seeing a lot of lately. And, you know, thinking of the world as, as quantum. And quantum, let's like to break it down. Like, okay, so we have, an, we have our we have our auric field, right? We have like our toroidal field that's around us, which just emanates from our vibration, right? So you have happy, sad, you have the spectrum of vibrations. And then, you know, if you're exuding joy, euphoria, bliss, your, your auric field is probably going to be more supercharged. You know, if you're grounding and you're in tune with the Schumann resonance, your auric field is going to be stronger. It's going to be amplified. You know, maybe if you're wearing a certain crystal organite, these type of things inside of a pyramid, it's going to help boom this. Now this energy field to me is carrying qubits, qubits of information. Just look at it like pieces of information. We'll just call them qubits for the sake of conversation. But now the bigger your auric field is and the more energy and the more information that your qubits are carrying. And when you're setting the intention with, with this field, now it's interacting. Like I'm interacting with you right now. I'm interacting, you know, maybe, maybe even with the people that are inside the complex where I'm living, my auric field is interacting with them on a subtle energy level. And, and I'm also simultaneously programming my reality with my thoughts. Now our thoughts have a density that we just can't perceive with our eyes. doesn't mean that they don't exist, but, but if you're like thinking about pyramids, 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 you know, we're talking about pyramids, we talk about pyramids for two hours and then, you know, you research pyramids all the time. Now pyramids just start coming into your sphere of reality more and more and more. And, And then it'd be like, Oh, is that like synchronicity? What's going on here? In a way, yeah, 
but it's also part of how we, how we program our reality. And what I've been seeing in my experience is that the things that need to come up and help us with our soul evolution, with our, you know, with healing our energy body and getting in tune with our higher self. It's like all of this stuff isn't happening to us. It's happening for us to kind of come back to that unified consciousness, come back to that. You know, if you're doing your Shaolin Qigong, your yoga or just meditating or just being, that's just that coming back to that place of relaxation and then it all, and then it's like, everything comes back into that, that like oneness, you know, and, and we're, we're kind of, we see duality for what it is. We see how the negatives can be a catalyst for our, our positive growth or, or however you want to look at it, you know, but that's a, that's a little bit of an insight on how I'm looking at how we manifest reality, how, how reality works. Yeah. And yeah. from one perspective. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you're kind of describing the Akashic record almost when you yeah. say qubits and this information, I can relate to that. I think, you know, it's funny, uh, a patron in the telegram, I've been on telegram a lot. If you couldn't tell yeah. in on the telegram folks, if you're missing out, uh, but my homie moon wolf, shout out to moon wolf on the Patreon. He shared a, video of these i guess it was chinese kids in a chinese class somewhere over there in communist china and they were teaching uh they're teaching the kids how to receive information through a book just by holding it and moon wolf was like this is how mystic mark gets all his knowledge because i think i talked about this on the podcast i used to have a bed that i slept in with like a the bed frame had a bookshelf where my feet were and sometimes i would sleep with my head on that side of the bed so I don't know if there's something to that. I would say that the books that were in that bookshelf definitely uh, seeped into my consciousness while I was dreaming. Now then the books are in my studio to make me look like a smarty pants. But, you know, I I don't know. They're not that far away from where I sleep. So we'll see. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's like the way I look at it is like the symbols project a vibration. They have their own frequency, right? So that right. if it's if that energetic frequency is by you, then it is kind of in, in, impacting you. And so I'll hop on this because you talked. We talked. You mentioned the DNA, which I put into the show notes, right? Right. And also blood, right? Now these are more of like that. What I just described is a little bit more of the woo woo, which is like more of the unseen aspect. But to bring it into like what we do know and what we can see and we can feel would be the blood. You know, I think that uh, that this is like idealistically, man, like it's not, but, but I think like if we have clean blood, right. And we, we learn how to like detox our body as opposed to being like ridden with fluoride, chloride and heavy metals and all this other shit, it's going to have energetic blockages, right? You get outside and you do a run or you have an exercise, your, your chi body is now flowing better. You're going to feel better. You know, everything's going to be flowing a little bit better. Same thing with the blood. And I think what's interesting and kind of conspiratorial, but uh, with, with the different blood types, right? We have like a, B, you have like O types and you have like RH negative aspect of things. Now it's interesting because right now we're looking at 
basically a blood change that's taking place. We have the people who have not gotten, you know, that are considered to be like pure bloods. Excuse me now. But what they're now, what they're doing is they're putting in like, it's like a new antigen. It's like an, it's like a new blood type. And has this been happening throughout time? Have they been adding in? Because there's a, there's a theory that possibly different blood types have been a result of experiments for control throughout time. Now, the way I look at it is, is that no matter what, you know, that's not the end all and be all. It's just an aspect, you know, it's something to think about. But if that, now we also look at like the 13 families and, and these people who like are so like, they just love their bloodlines, you know, they want to keep their bloodlines pure. They think that's, they think that's the end all and the be all. Why? If, If they, if these are the keepers of the esoteric knowledge are, have been hiding these books and knowledge from us, what, what is it? Why do they want to, why do they want to keep their bloodline so pure? Well, I think it has something to do with your, with our ability to manifest things. Maybe it has to do with our ability to unlock our DNA, to have our uh, supernatural, like in China and different places, you know, and even people that I know, you know, if you have a certain blood type, they'll, they'll, they'll document that, you know, they'll, they'll pull you aside to have to, to do like certain testing and stuff. And like, I know parents and people who have lied about their blood types to be able to stay out of that eye. But what's interesting is gold and some of these elements can actually help change your blood type or pronounce it more. So that could be partially why the Royal family had hoards so much gold and all of these different things. So, you know, for me, it was like, you know, people tell you, Oh, eat clean. Oh, you know, do the right, eat the right foods. It's like, okay. But until you actually start to get like some functionality out of it. And so you start seeing like what it can actually do for you. It's, it's, it may just be sit on the back burner until you're like, Oh wow, I can do this. Oh, wow. If I, if I, I can activate my dormant DNA and I can become more psychic and I can have this like extra sensory perception. All right. I think I might, I think I might start detoxing now. I think I might activate my DNA, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I've often wondered if that's a part of it and why they're enforcing this, you know, experimental gene therapy, we'll call it because that's literally what it's doing. It's affecting our genetic code so yeah and and you know to go even further conspiratorial you know down that road hillary clinton was investigating certain so-called nephilim bodies that they found in i don't know maybe some kind of tomb there in iraq maybe it was even in the museum but they had nephilim like uh dna And there's an email in Hillary Clinton's famous emails that is basically a request to get some of that DNA. So, yeah, there's a strange interest with these groups, elites and and their blood and their fascination with blood. Even the, you know, the term blue blood is often kind of connected to 
I mean, specifically people where I'm from are called blue bloods for a certain reason, but but I think the term originally comes from like establishment, meaning like, you know, royal or establishment and, you know, blue is kind of a, a royal color as well. But yeah, it's it's definitely strange. I, I wonder if it fits into, you know, the, the mark of the beast type stuff, you know, and this like microchip sort of theory that conspiracy theorists have talked about for a long time, putting a microchip inside of our bodies. That's, that's where my mind goes with it is. Yeah. Play, it, you know, that's, that's part partially the whole thing, right. With the towers, the 5g towers and everything, it's, it's going to be interacting on a lot of different levels with the resonance fields of individuals who are going to be more conductive with this type of blood and and these smart the smart dust and all that stuff if that's going to be the morgellons fibers if that stuff is going to be basically like venom inside of the body you know starting to be symbiotic with I think the body it was joni mitchell right she was like the rock star or pop star from the 60s that got morgellons disease have you ever i think chris chris knowles i was watching him break down the Laurel Canyon scenes from Laurel Canyon book on his Patreon. And he mentioned that more gallons that Joni Mitchell got it. And it's just strange because a lot of those people that Dave McGowan talks about in that book were connected to the military. And, you know, at that time, a lot of the famous rock stars, you know, that was the case. I'm sure it was possibly true for her. So who knows? Maybe that was, why you know people in the military usually expose this type of technology before the average you know people are are receiving it you know it gets rolled out to us second usually but yeah and you know what else i thought about because i just had a really interesting conversation this afternoon with the folks mick and vlin from the patriot party podcast shout out to them it was a a fun time and you know he meant he's in a former soldier, I don't know what department or area, but, uh, you know, he mentioned this strange kind of thing that happened down in Maryland. And I just thought to myself, you know, it's, it's odd how many military people have these UFO paranormal kind of experiences. I wonder if, because they're kind of outside of society in that way, you know, once you kind of sell your soul over to the government for that amount of time, you know, you maybe you're exposed to a different reality than the average person. I don't know. Just something I was pondering earlier today. Definitely. You know, we see a lot of cases where former soldiers, you know, or veterans rather talk about having, you know, UFO sightings or all kinds of weird stuff happen. Yeah. You know, it's like a good way to, a term that I use is like, is uh, aperture, you know, the same way that you have a camera, you open up the aperture on the camera, it lets more light in, mm-hmm. lets more information in. So it's like people who are still like see still like in the matrix, they have a low aperture. Then you blow your aperture wide open and you let all that light in, you know, I think it comes back to that, that thing. Once your once your aperture is open, then you can literally start seeing different realities are different are things in reality that have always been there. But now your mind is, is open enough to receive that. And, and so maybe that's partially why these people who are involved with the government, they know 
they know that a lot of the stuff that people think is real is actually bullshit. And then they're open up to more. They probably heard have dinner conversations. You know, they probably understand that there's a lot more going on than than normie would think. Absolutely. I want to, you know, on the point of aperture, get back to sun gazing because you mentioned that was a big part of like the, maybe the beginning for you. Was that, what helped facilitate, we'll call it your awakening. Was there something that happened earlier that kind of woke you up? What was, what was it that did it? Cause I do want to ask you a little bit more about sun gazing. Cause I think people uh, should practice it and try it out. Whether there's chemtrails in the sky or not, at least give it a try. They can't hit the sun every day. So, but was that the initial wake up experience? Do you think it was facilitated by that sun gazing? Yeah, I think it was definitely a catalyst and it, and I'll branch that into astrotheology. But in terms of in terms of the sun gazing, I think there's a lot of disinformation out there and what I've come to realize is that, you know, this when the when the sun first comes up in the morning for that first hour when it's just over the horizon and the last hour when it's just about to set. Now, you can put your hand out front of your face, you know, arms length away. And if the sun is right here and that's the horizon, that's one hour. Now, if you do this and the sun is sitting right here, like just on top, that's two hours. And you can do this and that's how you can count how many hours until the sun sets. That's a, that's a rule of thumb. But in that last hour or in the first hour of the day, there's technically no UV rays. Now, So that's, that's basically saying it's not going to be harmful to your eyes if you're just beginning sun gazing. Now, there's people that sun gaze and they've built up where they can look at it in the, in the middle of the day. There's a story that I think in World War II, some prisoners of war were forced to look at the sun every day, like at high noon, and they were like forced to keep staring at it. Well, it turns out that when they came back, when they got released that all of these people's like eye problems and different things went away. <laughs> really interesting story. I can't verify it myself, but I did think that was an interesting, an interesting story. Wow. All right. So, As someone who wears glasses, I'm definitely interested <laughs> intrigued, but keep going. Yeah. Well, one thing I did, cause I did, when I played sports, I would wear contacts, you know, and then I started doing eye exercises and, It would be like, you know, driving down the road and I would look at a sign and then I would start looking at far distance, short distance, long distance. And then I would like maybe look at the ceiling, the feeling, the fan ceiling, right? And what you're doing is you're actually training your muscles and your muscles are growing. And so when, when you do that, it can actually create the right focal length. So your eyes, your vision gets better. Eventually I didn't have to wear contacts anymore. Yeah. So eye exercise is a real thing. And the sun partially did this to me. I was just in Puerto Rico. So that's a little bit of a sunburn. I was out surfing and, and in the waves. But yeah, when I was in Hawaii, I had the 200 zoom lens. I just got a new Nikon DSLR and I was, I was constantly zooming in and it, it, it was just forgetting the pictures. It was just forgetting the shots, but that feeling now I, I'll go back and I was taking shots in Puerto Rico doing the same thing. I mean, this is my second. 
this is my background right now. That's it's really oh, beautiful wow. gold. It's a really yeah, beautiful. I saw gold. some of the pictures uh, if you posted them on Instagram. If those are some of the same ones, but I don't know if the color is going to come off in the through the zoom camera, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it's it's but that beautiful gold, you know, yeah. and getting that getting that resonance in your eye. I think that it's a very healing thing. It's said that it helps regulate your a lot of functions inside of your body. And it's a natural meditative thing to do. If you're going to go in sun gaze, you're not going to, you're going to just be probably sitting still, you know, and allowing your thoughts, you know, maybe entertain your thoughts or get to that thoughtless space. But it's a, it's a beautiful meditative practice as well. And here in Arizona, I'm lucky because able to do that when there's not a lot of chemis, but yeah, that, but you know, the same way that sun gives up these rays, is uh same way that all the other luminaries give out rays you know so you can you can sun gaze you can moon gaze you can look at sirius mars jupiter saturn and it's really up to you to decipher what that energy interaction is with you because there's always stories about what these different lights are what kind of energies they admit you know mars is tied in with like a fiery red war energy could be aggressive. It could be, you could look at it and, and feel something different, you know, but it's, it's like a thought experiment, it's something that I think every individual will have a different alchemy with. So the astrotheology we talk about, cause, cause we're a lot of this, the, these like constellations, stars, things have, have like a mythological narrative tied with them, you know, and a lot of what we see with even the, the medicines that are being released are, are like people who are occult astrotheologists will wait to release their books when Saturn is in a certain constellation or, you know, like when the medicine was released, something to do with Ophiuchus, like people are able to predict these things because they, they tie in the energies. And so what I think, and this is a major key that I've been saying kind of from the jump of this is that they've been planning this great reset for right now because of the astrological influences, transits that are taking place. We just had the Bethlehem star that took place last year. That hasn't happened in like, I think like over like 2000 years we have, we're, we're in the midst of like a huge eclipse season. We have an eclipse that's taking place over the United States. That was the 2017 solar eclipse. The next one's taking place exactly eight years after that. So that's, that's in like 2024. And like, if you know, if you look at the United States map, the, the eclipse is basically the, the eclipse paths for form an X right over top of the United States and the era that we're living in right now. I mean, obviously the United States is under a huge focal point, you know? So I think that, these energies, they've basically tricked everybody into thinking that they've, they've tricked everybody's quantum field. They've tricked everybody's vibration. They made everybody into a pair, like a, a negative, into a negative vibration. Everything, when they're doing their future outlook, they're like, oh my God, I'm so scared of the world. Everything's going to come crashing down. I'm not going to be able to get food. They're going to force and check me. I'm like all the things, right? You know what we know, imagine, imagine if it was the opposite. Imagine if all of these media outlets and everything right now, were like talking about free energy devices. We were talking about regenerative agriculture. 
we were talking about planting fruit trees and, and things everywhere. Like we were actually like putting, putting that's back even the, why that's even why, you know, the media is responding in the way that they are towards folks like Joe Rogan is because people are so sick of the negative bombardment and they want to get into the positive wave. Cause I think what you're getting at here is like the hundredth monkey effect. You know, when you have facts. all of these people vibrating on a negative vibration, the sorcerers of the world are free reign to wield their magic because less people are, you know, contributing to the positive energy that ultimately manifests the future. It's always a sort of a balance, but I think when you neg when you're negative, you kind of nullify your impact on the collective consciousness in a way that you know bars you from participating and really just feeds more into their negative schemes. Really, it, it, it bars everybody. When when somebody okay, if somebody says like you can't fly, Mark, and like you can't you can't levitate, and and like so many people in our collective consciousness believe that they're like that's stupid. There's no way you could do that. Of course, well, that's now become the collective constraint. Right. But it, but in a, in a world where everybody's like, yes, you can fly. Believe that. You can levitate. Believe that. Sai you can, Baba. You, Have you ever heard of Sai Baba? No. Sai Baba is a Hindu guru from India or, or a country near India that practices Hinduism and he is known as like a modern day avatar. Some of the like famous things that he's said to have done were like manifesting like a pencil into an orange, like other really strange things. And I think it just shows human potential. I mean, I, I remember there was like a history channel show about like superhumans and all the different strange abilities that we have as human beings. And you're absolutely right. It's, it's this collective consciousness that, you know, holds people back from it. Cause even in the media or even television shows, when they portray it, they always portray it as like an unattainable freak show extreme that just happened by accident when, you know, according to maybe the holographic universe or the electric universe. No, there's an explanation to this, you know, according to the natural law, there's an explanation for why this is. And, and we can, you know, benefit if we can benefit from it. Well then, yeah, let's practice it. And it, I think I, I'm not going to stand here and say that, you know, I can teach anyone how to levitate in a year, but I think what you're trying to say is that under the right conditions, anything's possible because we live in a universe that's only bounded by our mental boundaries, really. Mm, yep. Yep. And, and the boundaries, you know, every it's like mind before matter. Mm. And if everybody's mind is in a constraint format, constricting, and maybe that's where we're at right now in terms of like, maybe we're at this constraint right now, you know, like just like the breath and the universe is we're at this like, constraining point, but we're going to break out of it. And that's what we're going through right now. And there's going to, and it's like kind of like a mitosis, I think, because we're going to have a lot of people who stay in the constraint, you know, stay in the fear state, just stay in the fetal position, you know, listen to big daddy gov and do all that. And then we're going to have this activated beings that realize that we're spiritual beings in a physical body and that it, that these Kybalian 
principles, our true mind before matter. And then we're going to just start opening up our mind, you know, and that, and then that, that field just, just opens right up and, and we can bring back the stuff online. You know, a lot of people talk about this being a prison planet, you know, being stuck in physicality and how before we could, we would be able to go in and out of physicality at will, you know, as spiritual beings and like, that's on, that's on like the far end of the spectrum, but like, who knows? It's, it's interesting to entertain and just, and just go that, go that way as a thought experiment. Mm. Cause, cause so much, so much of our life is so mundane, especially in, in like North America. Like uh, what's his name again? Baba. Sai, Sai Baba. Yeah. Sai Baba. These, I, I've, I keep hearing about people in different areas of the world doing phenomenal things. But how many times have we heard about that growing up, bro? Right. Right. I remember, I think it was like Ripley's believe it or not, where I f- first found this kind of information and there was TV shows that would portray stuff like this, but it was always from a skeptical angle or just like a completely fantastical extreme fictional approach. But I remember distinctly seeing pictures of like gurus climbing up ropes that, you know, just were up in the air. There was nothing holding these ropes up. They would just toss the rope and then it would levitate, you know, or at least in my imagination, because it was only a picture. But then I read about this guy, Sai Baba, doing, you know, fantastic things. And and then I kind of pieced that into maybe what now I would have a more skeptical mindset about, but I, I understand what you're saying, where our consciousness is the factor. And I kind of, I kick myself in the ass sometimes because maybe I am too skeptical about certain things, which might like limit me from participating or experiencing fully. So I think that's a process I'm, I'm working in. And I, I definitely want to try sun gazing for sure you know it's it's something that i've experienced the benefits of in a minimal way just doing it kind of here and there never taking it seriously but the idea that i can uh, upgrade my vision because i do have pretty poor vision thanks to whatever it was but i i don't know now that i've had corrective lenses for so long it's like you know my eyes will probably take a little bit of work to to recover from the damage that's been done. But I think when you start to understand it as a muscle that just needs to be strengthened and not as like something that's been damaged, like even the terms I was just using in hindsight just now, I'm like, well, maybe that's not even the right way to look at it. It's a muscle that I can basically strengthen and I'm excited to, to do that. Bro. But when I started sun gazing, mm. I also would, I could, I would stay, I had more energy in my life than I ever did. I was literally, I would be hiking mm. and then I would, I was, I was starting my business clutch shots. I was like working all night. Then I would go to work. I had a great job, mama's fish house on North shore of Maui and I would work and then we go surf and then we, I'd stay up all night and edit. Then I'd hike and I would be staying up like six, seven days in a row. And, and like people I was with were like, like, what's what's going on with you? Like, I'm like, I feel great. I'm doing it all. And all this stuff was, was, was going on at the same time. So I, I do attribute that to that. The other thing to think about is that this layer right here, when you're sun gazing is the thinnest layer between the sun and your blood. So you're, you're, you have so, we have so much blood going through our, 
our optical and this area, you know, the brain and everything. So you're actually purifying your blood when you're getting sun in your eyes. Wow. And that's the quick, that's the quickest way. Cause there, I think it's like every 20 minutes, all of your blood cycles through your, your eyes or, or something like to that effect. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. And the, and the other thing I want to say just on that, before we switch to sun gazing is that the black, the, the way this, black magician aspect of reality works is that anything that keeps our attention on their agenda is, is means that they're like, means that that reality is going to be what's manifesting. So that's the beauty of, of these people having controlled opposition. So they can put out a guy like Joe Rogan, Alex Jones and whoever, and they can, and they can be like, they can tell you every fucking part of the agenda. They'll sit there and, and you'll be like, holy shit, he's the truth. That's the prophet right there. He's just kicking out so much game. And then it's like, what are you focusing on? What are you thinking about? You're thinking about the agenda. You're thinking about their great reset. What, what, what would really be uh, beneficial to our con- collective consciousness? Maybe if we sat around and talked about how to create an airship, how to create a PMA, how to free ourselves from this paper bondage that we're in, unlock, you know, all... What if we just focus on that? It, it, but it's like all of this stuff is, is got to, you know, work its way out. But this controlled opposition aspect of this shit is like people don't even know they're controlled opposition and they're controlled opposition. Right. <laughs> they're being controlled by the opposition, but they think they're, they're fighting for the freedom, but ma- really they're manifesting the enslavement. You know, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah. They're, you're, they're, you know, taking on the system, you know, being a part of it, you know, thinking that they're somehow making a difference. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a crazy world we're living in. And I think that when you understand the magical sort of reality that we're in, you're able to step outside of that kind of chaotic mainstream. I don't know what to call it. energy funnel or something you know you're just getting funneled into it and as you put it yeah there's people who don't even realize that they're you know being led down a certain path i kind of talk about it with comedy podcasts how in 2020 all of a sudden the list of podcasts that i could listen to that i thought were funny shrunk down to like three or four (laughs) podcasts because so many people took that narrative and just, just totally just derailed, you know, really any integrity that I, at least I thought they had as a comic, you know, cause that's kind of in my mind, what comedy is about, not, you know, enforcing the narrative, but you know, going against Mm -hmm. it and, and giving people the alternative in a really funny way or something really real and authentic in a funny way. So yeah, it, it was kind of a, you know, departure, just like this is this tangent might be a departure from what we were talking about. But, but sun gazing, I think that's just another tool in the tool belt. And I, I don't mean to keep coming back to that as if that's the only interesting thing here, because I'm with you on the astro theology. And unfortunately, I'm not in uh, a zone where I can fully appreciate all the constellations, you know, being in like kind of the East Coast, the light level is very high. And we can only see the bright, bright constellations. And I remember distinctly when I traveled outside of 
Connecticut going up, you know, to Maine or going into New Hampshire and places like that. Just the awe that was inspired from looking up at the stars and just seeing how different it was, you know, it's just really Mm -hmm. profound. So, you know, once you can get outside of that, and I hope to do that, you know, this year, my girlfriend and I are planning on finding a new place to live. And if it's in a more rural area, as long as I could still do the podcast, that would be the best thing for me. And really, I think that's just a natural way to live, you know, in harmony with nature and sun gazing, like I said, is, is one of the ways to get your, I guess, your frequency back in harmony with the natural cycle. Because this is something that I kind of learned about last year from an author, Jose, and his book, Time in the Technosphere, and how he talks about how the system of time that the system itself, society, that system uses you know, it's inherently geared to throw us off of our real rhythm and disconnect us from nature. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, I mean, we have the micro, we have the micro rhythm and we have the macro rhythm. The micro rhythm would be the sun, you know, people who are like, Oh, astro theology is bullshit. It's like, Oh really? So what time do you start your, your work schedule every day? You go to work every day at eight o'clock, right? Well, that corresponds with where the sun is in the sky. You get off of work corresponding to where the sun is in the sky. Boom. Astrotheology. Look at your calendar. You have the day of the sun. You have Sunday. Then you have moon day, right? All of these correspond. Astrotheology is literally everywhere. Now, and you have the macro scale, which is like, are we in the age of Aquarius? What's, what, what does that mean? What, where are the constellations? What, what is like, where is the sun cycle? Okay. Now, basically the way I look at astrotheology is that you're talking about the cosmic weather. So, so just the same way that you would plan to go outside in a rainstorm and you'd bring an umbrella would be the same way that you should probably know, Hey, it's going to be uh are we dealing, are we in, what season are we in? You know, because it's, and, and, and it can be as practical as, Hey, shit, man, winter's coming up. We better, we better get some shelter. Hey, look at man, spring's coming up. We better plant some, we better plant something that we can eat. You know, it can be that practical or it can be something more of like an energetic thing where you can use the energies to your advantage. Now, now there's different types of astrology that people can subscribe to. The one I I suggest people subscribe to is your very own figure it out for yourself. And there's, there's the main one it's called tropical. Now tropical deals with like, what's called like a, like they basically make an adjustment. So now if we were to look up right now, we'd see that the sun is in Capricorn. So what does that mean? The Capricorn constellation, which is the goat, is what's behind the sun. The sun is sitting in the Capricorn constellation. Now, what's next? The, the Aquarius, okay? Now, we'll, now around like February 14th to the 17th, we'll see the sun switch over into the constellation of Aquarius. Cool. That would be... You know, when we look up and we literally observe the sun moving from Capricorn to Aquarius, that would be sidereal. What you can see, wherever the sun is, that's where it is. 
Now tropical, which is what like everybody subscribes to, not everybody, but that's like super popular. It, right now they, they're saying that the sun is in Aquarius. It's not. The sun is still in Capricorn. But what's interesting, man, is that the people who like, who are, who are astrologers, like mainstream astrologers. Now there's even people that are astrologers and say that they're Archangel Uriel. They're art. They say that they're art, that they're art, they're the embodiment of Archangel Michael. And it's, it's, it's really, it's really fascinating because these people have like a, like a sense of gnosis. They have like this knowledge and they have this like attachment to this knowledge, like, like where do they get it from? You know? And I don't think that all controlled opposition is necessarily like the Jesuits came in and trained you. The Illuminati didn't come in and train you. I think that there's a spiritual soul aspect that sometimes these consciousness could be from like a, like a fallen angel will come in as a walk-in to a physical body with their knowledge and pose as Archangel Uriel, pose as Archangel Michael, and then they'll give, and then they'll gather this great following and they'll spread this knowledge and people will resonate with them because they'll mix in, they'll have 90% truth, 10% lies, or they can make the 90% lies sound really fucking good. But at the end of the day, it's all misleading. Well, and they're telling. I love what you're saying because it's something that I have had the suspicion about and I think you just broke it down in a really really intelligent way I don't mean to cut you off if there's more to go into but I will say I've had several different experiences interactions we'll call it with channeling right one pretty recently and it just it gave me an interesting vibe I don't know there are other forces at play but it definitely felt like Something was off with this person. And then I find out fairly recently that they had, you know, pretty traumatic experience as a child. And that makes me think about what you just said about walk-ins, because we, we know from certain conspiratorial, you know, lenses, when you look at the MK Ultra stuff, you see that that's exactly what they attempted to do is, you know, fracture people's psyches and allow for some sort of other consciousness to, you know, blend into that person. And, and, you know, given the military's connection with the, the paranormal and, UFOs yeah. and, and, and exactly like satanic practices. And I'm not saying that from a Christian lens, but they literally have like people who call themselves, you know, members of the church of Satan is as high ranking officials in the military. So you have to call a duck a duck in that case, but you know, I don't think it's inherently, you know, God versus Satan. But when you mention the walk-ins being, you know, in same vein as, you know, biblical characters, and then they're using a type of astrology that was created in that exact time, keeping people under a sort of spell in the sense that they're giving them exactly what we're instinctually needing, but warping it a year, you know, however much time in reverse or forward, right? So now we're getting the sign, the, the, the information, but it's, it's not correct. Cause you know, someone who I do a show with Michael Wan, when I had an astrological reading from him, he gave me my side reel astrology 
and my tropical astrology next to each other. And the way he explained it was like, here's your cultural overlay. Here's the cultural matrix. Here's your actual self, right? So, and I think that's really important for people to understand. Like, don't go and throw the books out that you have about tropical astrology. That's important information because people are using it. They're using it to some effect, maybe for this kind of, high sorcery type of uh, nation state spellcraft that, you know, Michael Juan and Chris Knowles research pretty deeply. I think that helps us understand, you know, society, but at the same time, it's definitely felt to me like a manipulation against us. And I think, yeah, understanding the the sidereal, the sidereal, natural, if you will, (laughs) scheme that we're in. Because, yeah, if you look at that, I think I'm not a Libra, I'm a Virgo, right? My sun sign would be, instead of Libra, Virgo, and instead of my rising sign, which is Pisces, it would be whatever comes before Pisces. So that, according to that chart, I'm a completely different person, you know, if we're going to take all the personality stuff as truth, which I don't, but it's definitely influential in a lot of ways. But yeah, man, when you really kind of let that sink in, that the idea that these channelers might not have our best interests in mind, when that thought occurred to me, I really kind of questioned those authorities. But at the same time, I utilized the techniques because I think, as you put it, there's a 90% truth 10% 10% lie, or in some cases, 90% lies, 10% truth, occasion, you know, or, or situation going on. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sort out what resonates with you. And so long as you're not hurting anyone or acting out of selfishness, I think any of these techniques that the channelers talk about are worthwhile. What concerns me the most is when you have like these followings that they gather and and you know it just becomes a bunch of yes men i think that's kind of the mm-hmm. social dynamics of most of these things and that's why you know with the podcast i don't ever want to just cover one topic or talk about just one type of thing or talk to just one type of person you know because there are so many things that we could be exploring here and and this is a bunch of new stuff so clutch i'm dude i'm so grateful that you're here to share all this with us you want to add anything to what i just laid out before we close up here anything you, you got to respond yeah i'll just i'll add two things man and yeah it's yeah. been it's man i really enjoy talking to you it's been like it's it's really nice man time flies as they say yeah, it does. Just just on the last thing, I'll add two points. I think that there's I like the I like the saying transcend the stars. And 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 basically what that means is like know the know the cosmic weather, but like transcend it, like be above it, you know? Like rise rise above that. Just see the stars as part of the organic matrix, because that's pretty much what that's pretty to me, that's what it is. It's just another it's like another could be considered another control mechanism for your avatar. So see that for what it is. And, you know, it's still fun to still get readings and still, uh, like somebody can tell you, okay, look at, yeah, you're a Capricorn sun and Aries moon, and then give you the readings and things associated with that. Okay. Listen to them, take it in. And then, and then at least what you're doing is like, does that, does that trait sit with you? Does that resonate with you? You can think on it, rebuke it, 
you know, or, you know, but basically we all have every aspect of the zodiacal within us. We all have components of it. So transcend the stars. Yeah. Anyway, man. Yeah. That's all I got to say on that. Right on. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the, the biggest point that fascinated me the most is how the constellations and the signs are connected to various parts of our body, various chakras, and really how the microcosm, macrocosm, you know, it's something that I say a lot, something that I hear. Sam says it a lot on Tinfoil Hat. But when you really, really understand that and you can look at a plant or you can look at a cloud and you can or look at a living being and, and see that in action, it's it's like psychic. It's like a psychic feeling. You know, you're like mm-hmm. seeing the the forces of life itself at work and and i think understanding the luminaries the planets whatever they are out there on the other side of our atmosphere or our dome whatever it is you know i definitely think that we cannot separate ourselves from that you know they say we're made of stardust literally i don't know how true that is but when when i dive into the periodic table of elements on the other show that i do the elemental philosophorum you find that, you know, we are inextricably connected to every little piece of the universe in some way as human beings. And I think that tells me that we are meant to be this kind of mental universe, our mental force in a inherently kind of mental or spiritual universe, you know, and maybe there's other beings out there that we share this dimension with but either way the human beings that we share a dimension with are definitely trying to keep us down and darken these lights that we have shining inside of us so people listening do not be dismayed disobey and keep shining those bright golden rays and gaze at the sun man and clutch you've inspired me brother i'm excited to put this episode out and tell the listeners where they can follow up with you if they want to connect i definitely think there's a lot of people who can relate to the story you shared with us earlier but if you have a podcast or instagram or anything like that that you can share with us that would be ideal Cool. Cool. Yeah. Just on your point there, every star needs darkness to shine bright. So be thankful for all of the, the, because it's, it's allowing us to shine right now. And if you want to check me out, my page, that's not so shadow band on Instagram right now, you can type in K L U T C H that's clutch clutch with a K and I have clutch consciousness. That's my, my kind of active page right now. And then there's clutch God. So those are my alternate pages. And yeah, hit me up on there if you want to talk about any of that paperwork that I'm creating or if you got any ideas, synchronicities, you know, hit me up. Right on. Right on. And I feel like we need to have you back on to fully get into the law topic because I'm definitely not prepared to, you know, take that subject on, but I'm interested in, in getting into it. And I assume that's what Clutch God relates to am i wrong there because you did allude to it going in to explain that you want to explain that for us before we completely wrap up yeah so basically before i was clutch god i was king clutch and that was just becoming my my own domain becoming the king of my own domain and then the clutch god was when i I realized that i'm a a co-creator of reality 
So that was more, that page is more of like my shit posting page where I put a lot of just like, hey, wake up. This is all bullshit page. Clutch consciousness is more of expanding consciousness. I go live a lot on there and I'll chop it up about whatever's on my mind. And yeah, thanks a lot, Mark, for allowing me to, to speak with you today and chop it up with you and have this great back and forth, man. I really, I really had a great time tonight. Thank you. Dude, I got to be honest. I didn't know what to expect, but I'm totally uh, really grateful, man, because from the from the story to all the information you had, you know, I think this is going to be an episode that the people really like. So folks listening, go out there, support Clutch on Instagram and, and check them out, man. And I don't know, I, I encourage people who don't have a podcast all the time to start their own if you're going live, you definitely have something to say. We took a whole almost two hours talking here. So, yeah, man, if you're ever interested in trying that out, doing something like that, let me know. I'd love to help. But for folks Appreciate listening, it. thank you so much for being here and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. Thank you for sticking with us into the extended outro. And what a conversation with Aquarius Clutch. He is a real dude, a real good dude. And he was kind enough and brave enough to share his story here with us today. Touched my heart. And, uh, you know, we don't always talk about subjects that matter most, but I think today we touched on some really important ones you know especially as it pertains to the title of the show because it really can be harmful when your family thinks you're crazy and not always in ways that we can see coming uh, but as you may have heard or realized clutch is confident in his position and knows what's right for his health and his body and uh you know did the best he could and still is fighting to make sure his daughter has a healthy and happy life. So much love to you, Clutch, and everything you're doing out there. Thank you for the wise words and the inspiration. It's not easy for me to talk like this, uh, monologue style especially, um, from the heart. You know, it's not easy because... I've only just met Clutch in that moment, you know. I got a pretty startling review on iTunes that called me a, a selfish prick for not being empathetic towards one of the past guests. And, you know, I just don't think that's true at all. And I don't think most of the listeners would think that's true. Um, and I do empathize with every single one of my guests. It might not always come across... For the listeners, because I tend to edit myself out if I interrupt the guest or I just have my mic muted so you can't hear me if I gasp because I'm trying to give the listener uh, the best chance to hear what the guest is saying. So I'd rather not interrupt them 
with my emotions. Uh, but yeah, you know, stories like the one Clutch shared with us today do touch my heart. And if that doesn't always come across on the show, well, that's fine because it's not about me. It's not always about me. The show is called My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, but the title is relatable because a lot of us are experiencing this shift in consciousness. And unfortunately, this isn't something that happens uh, for everybody and especially for the people that you're closest to. Um, You know, a lot of us, myself included, are fortunate enough to be in a relationship with someone who sees the world the same way that they do or I do. But the same can't always be said for close family members like parents or brothers, you know, siblings, um, cousins, and so on. Because people have different walks of life, people have different perspectives, people come to different conclusions, and you're not going to win over everybody. That's a lesson I had to learn the hard way, hence the name of the show. I've always been sort of the black sheep and not afraid to stick my neck out. And if I help equip the listeners with the tools or the confidence that they need or had the whole time and didn't realize, if I help you realize your inner power, well, then it's not even going to matter what other people think, whether they're your family, whether they're your, you know, neighbors, strangers, it's not going to matter because when you're a fully actualized human being, you realize what's really important. And I can't tell you what's important for you because that's your job in life to discover what your purpose is, where you're going. And if this show pushes you in a good direction, well, let me know. Join into the Telegram and leave us a voicemail. I'd love to know why your family thinks you're crazy. We got a bunch of really cool messages from some folks at the beginning of the year telling us why their family thinks they're crazy. Don't stop. Send me a message. You can email me if you'd rather have me read it, or you can send it via the Telegram. Uh, if you send a short message and it just says like, hey, love the show, you know, I I appreciate that and I will respond to you. It might not make it onto the show. I apologize. I want to read every message, but if it's a brief, short message, um, you know, I don't want to just sit here in the extended outro and pat myself on the back the whole time. Um, we will read the reviews. We will read the reviews because the reviews help new listeners find the show, which is why I wanted to address that comment because, you know, I don't think I'm a selfish prick. I hope most of the listeners don't think I'm a selfish prick. And if that guy thinks I'm a selfish prick (laughs) or if that guy or gal thinks I'm a selfish prick, well, that's fine. You, you have your own opinion. And uh, that's the cool thing about podcasting is you don't have to listen. There's so many others. Go listen to another podcast. I don't mind. So anyways, right after we had a one-star review from a guy who called me a selfish prick, um, in Canada nonetheless, um, we had another review from someone who says, Great show. Five stars. I really like this guy. Thank you, Freakazoid. That's the type of review I like to see. 
Thank you so much. And before I was referring to the Instagram messages, because you guys send a lot of kind Instagram messages. And one of them, uh, Andrew, shout out to Andrew. He just bought one of the T-shirts and said, just bought it. And what he was referring to is a new line of what I think is really cool merch. Like I, I would buy this for myself if I was just a random listener and I found this show. Truly, really. I mean, these shirts that I put together, I'm going to buy a bunch of them for myself and to give away for the f- Patreons next time we do, uh, you know, giveaway. But I love it, and I have this really cool way of making art with phrases. So my idea, using this really cool website called Night Cafe, is to type in the phrase of, let's say, the title of a podcast episode, and then use that podcast episode title phrase to generate this AI created art and i know what you're thinking oh ai is the end ai is the end well guess what this art is really cool like i don't know how this stuff works but the fact that this is the result of just a phrase is pretty astounding to me Uh, it takes less than a few minutes and so go over and check that out on our Creator Spring, Teespring store. All of the links are in the episode description. Just hit the one that says merch. You can also go to our website, myfamilythinksomecrazy.com. Or to simplify things, we have a link tree, linktr.ee slash mftic. Just plug that into your phone and you can find our merch. You can also see some jewelry that I've wrapped with my own hands. I just put some new wraps up there, a couple more affordable ones, and one really, really complicated one that's uh, $200, okay? So if you like if you like jewelry, if you like whacked out, far out there jewelry like this, then go over to my Kofi site. The link is on Linktree, and check out the wire wraps that I do, all made by hand, and I know every single crystal in the wrap, so I'm basically putting them together uh, through intuition, instinct, and just being connected to the crystals. But afterwards, the combinations are epic. And I think the crystal energies just naturally blend themselves together. I don't really consciously uh, plan each wrap. It just kind of works itself out. There's some magic there, but either way, here we are, folks, in the extended outro. I'm about to join our friend Evan D. on his podcast, Occult 45. That's coming up in about an hour. So I'm just hanging out, smoking a blunt. I was looking into the Illuminati card game this week after Chance from the Interverse. Shout out to Chance. Always sending really cool people my way. He just suggested... That I check out his latest episode and I'll recommend all of you go and check out his episode from last week because this episode's being recorded a week early from when it's going to be released. But anyways, Chance had said something about the Illuminati telegram or uh, (laughs) Chance had said something about the Illuminati card game in our My Family Thinks I'm Crazy telegram chat, which if you're not already a part of it and you want to know the best way to get in touch with me, 
swell? I'll wait here, and when you find out, send me a telegram. That's right. Send us a telegram, folks. I am there checking the telegram chats every day, and I love when folks leave voice messages, so please go over to the telegram and leave us a voice message. Tell us why your family thinks you're crazy. Anyways, so we were there on the telegram. Chance mentioned something or responded to something that someone else who, apologies for not remembering, they had mentioned the Illuminati card game. So I, it was in my mind, and I go, and I'm like, you know what? I know the Church of the Subgenius is associated with uh, the Illuminati card game somehow, and actually Discordianism is synchronistically something that was supposed to be talked about on Tinfoil Hat last week. There is a scheduling error, and we'll have to have that guest on sometime in the near future. But anyways, my mind was in that realm. That guest is Adam Go Rightly, by the way. And you know, my mind is in that realm. So I go over to the Church of the Subgenius website, and I find this really cool uh, type of random generator. It's like a phrase generator. Let me see if I can find it. So Steven Jackson Games, you just search that, you get to sjgames.com slash I-N-W-O, which stands for Illuminati New World Order in reference to the original Illuminati card game, right? This is the website. It's kind of a little outside of my realm. I'm not a RPG gamer. I do think that that whole world is interesting. I didn't realize until much later in life how complicated these games were. I mean, I knew people who played Dungeons and Dragons and I kind of understood the concept that they were really the board game only serves as like to keep track of the real game, which is in your mind. It's like an adventure through your imagination and it's kind of like a group imagination, which is very interesting considering what we talk about on this show. But anyways, we go to this website, and then one of the pages on the website um, called Subgenius Rant, it's just sort of like a random randomizer of Bob statements, which is sort of in reference to the late, great Robert Anton Wilson. So, and his whole zeitgeist of slang and lingo and all the Bob's, the people in the church of the subgenius who followed his lead, so to speak. And I'm a total novice when it comes to all this stuff. So if you're in and you're hip with all this lingo, you're probably listening like, oh, this damn pink whatever, such and such, telling us about the church of the subgenius, whatever. So anyways, this is interesting. We hit a random randomizer. We get random. Let's get a random one. Here we go. Praise Bob. Did Bob die for the proto-overman? Hell no. The overman-to-be wants no normal government. Like Bob himself, the proto-overman, we uh, bang bang yes, no, hell, becomes himself. The slack he buys from Bob, the forbidden sciences that teach the awareness of X-Day, holds us back from the brink of doom and comes from the luck plane. Its essential nature is merely illusion. Yes, 
The stupider it looks, the more important it probably is. Pity the Joe Six-Packs, the slackless Mr. Nice Guys, who are held in contempt not just by the overman-to-be, but by the men in black, who are their true masters. They stink, yes, stink, and all of them are the proletarists, the time-servers, the normals. Scream it. Will you be among the saved? Sounds like this is exactly what I was looking for when I was a teenager. And I did find Robert Anton Wilson's work at a young age, but I never dove in and uh, looked into this whole subculture of the Church of the Subgenius. And it's really, really fun. I like it. I'm going to hit this website again. See if we get another. Yep, we got another one. All right. Praise Bob. Dob, Dobbs needs your money every day. The slightest offhand comment made by Bob, absolutely without question. Yes, praise Bob. Laughs as the pinks are dragged into the hollow earth. Praise Bob himself. Listen to that church air, and you'll see that the rescue of the sub-genie, or genie, by Jehovah One, can heal or destroy both, and still sanctifies the faithful clench, the bomb, the bullet, always will be taken up in the saucers. False sanity is the foe. The yatakisma don't do their soul-destroying work themselves. They send their mediocretin tools who are doomed never to know the blessed joy of Bob and his word. They will never pay church dues, nor would Bob want them if they did, though he will, of course, take their money. But the cage rats will be annihilated by the great stalking heads on X Day. They are all around us. The mediocritans may be fools, but they are still part of the con. Yes, the crawling cage rats drool. Half of them are stupider than the average, and the rest are hurrying to catch up. They fear everything different all around us. The mediocritans are the herd, the faceless mass. Interesting, considering what we have heard about the herd and what we heard about the herd. I feel like I'm speaking from herd perspective when I say we, but, you know, when I say we, I mean this wolf pack that is the listeners of this show. I imagine most of you are kind of like me. You're lone wolves to some degree, especially if your family thinks you're crazy. That's how I felt for a while until I started to vibe with my tribe. And, you know, obviously all of their little jaded comments aside, it seems like the Church of the Subgenius is, you know, exactly the type of thing that uh, this show hints at in a way like this type of lifestyle and this type of approach to society where you're just kind of like so outside of it that you have your own subculture lampooning it, right? The church of the sub genius. It's just all sort of mockery of mediocrity, which I support that. And you know, in all honesty, life has been kind of hectic and busy over the past few months, and I haven't been able to 
really meditate and read and inform myself in the way that I used to. So I'm trying to reconcile that at this point in my life, you know. Um, I think it, what it's going to come down to is finding a new place to live. And once my lady and I do that, this show is going to turn a new leaf. So here we are, folks. If you love the show and you listen to this whole episode, you're listening to me this long, you know that the best way to support the show is through Patreon. And that's going to keep this show on the tracks and maybe even help me afford to get my own place. So (laughs) I could have my own studio and want to deal with the sounds of pipes and washing machines and furnaces and all the other junk that's down here in the basement. Um, So, so yeah, sign up on Patreon, check out the merch store. Or just keep listening to the show because that's a huge, huge help. It helps me get in touch with awesome sponsors like this month's sponsor, Truth Smacks. Truth Smacks is the only trail mix for those walking the flat earth. The packaging is hella informative. You just open it up, get to munching, you start reading the packaging, and you see quotes from... People like George Orwell, people like Mark Twain. You even see a quote from someone I've talked about a lot, Aleister Crowley. He's quoted as saying, belief is the enemy of knowledge. If you're hungry for more nut mix, order online at truthsmacks.com. That's right. Owned and operated by people who see the world for how it is, right? I mean... Pretty plain and simple there, folks. Anyways, here we are in the extended outro. I'm glad you are here sticking with us this long. I felt like there was something else I was going to talk about. We talked about the Illuminati card game a bit. We talked about the Church of the Subgenius. We talked about Night Cafe and the art. We talked about... um, Yeah, I think that about does it. If you haven't listened to Your Handbook for the Apocalypse yet, it's a show that I do with Michael Wan once a week, talking about everything that we are learning about in the now. It's gotten uh, back up and running after a brief hiatus, so stay tuned weekly for more episodes there. Dave Zed and I from the... Generation Z podcast will be getting back together to do an episode of the Elemental Philosophy Forum. It might even be out already by the time this episode comes out. And yeah, we're going to try to do that show at least twice a month. We'll see. Uh, but more fun stuff on the way. How am I doing so many shows? I have a third show, Illuminati Confirmed, that I do with the help of. Juan from the one-on-one podcast and Chris Prozer from the Mensa podcast. That's a fun one. We're going to be releasing two episodes or three episodes a month. And I think two of them are going to go behind the paywall, the Patreon, and two of them are going to go out for free. So two free episodes a month, two Patreon episodes a month. And if you're signed up on my Patreon, you'll get, episodes if you're signed up on Juan's Patreon you'll get the episodes 
So it's kind of like a Patreon swap cast type show. Anyways, stay tuned for that. We have Ryan from, we have Ryan Burns, who is well known for studying the Skinwalker Ranch whole case, that whole area, all the weird stuff going on at Skinwalker Ranch. We're going to be talking to him. So Illuminati confirmed, who knows? Maybe we'll find out if Skinwalker Ranch is Illuminati confirmed. I don't know. I don't even really know what that phrase means. But that does it for my rants here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Thank you, Truth Smacks. Thank you to all our patrons supporting us and showing us love. Oh, wait, hold on a second. We got a new spirit animal name to give out. That's right. A new patron has signed up. Shout out to Jabroni. Jabroni, you are the humorous crow. You got the crow card and the Hayoka card, which is the trickster, represents humor and opposites. So welcome to the family, humorous crow. Right on. That's a badass spirit animal name. Anyways, that does it. Enjoy the moment wherever you are.